Okay, so maybe it's just me, but you can't be out there trying to drag April Jones on Twitter because she's complaining that Omarion only pays her $700 in child support, then go and beef with your baby daddy, who's never toured the world or sold millions of records, works a regular-ass job, and he pays you $500 a month. Well, you can, but you're opening yourself up to a new conversation that I don't think y'all really want to have. And you can't throw Fizz into the convo talking about how he should help make up the difference unless, of course, your baby daddy can use that same narrative when it comes to your new man. You see, I got one kid, and I'm nowhere as financially capable as a nigga like that. Not that I'm counting his pockets or any sucker shit like that. But if I was a gambling man, I'd say he definitely has to have at least making 10 times the amount I do per year. And yet, I've had orders paying over 600 quietly. I don't know. Maybe he's broke. Maybe it's just me. Or maybe y'all should just shut the fuck up! Expeditiously. I'm KJ Bryant, and it's not just me. The following program is for adult audiences only. Those motherfuckers! So we all know I've been waiting for this Tory Lanez Chicks Tape 5 album to drop, but Friday had a bunch of dope shit on top of that, um, including a new album from Styles P called Presence, Rocky Fresh dropped Destination, Little Peep dropped his posthumous album Everybody's Everything, Cuban the Savage, who is no longer a doll, dropped Savage Life, and that shit was all, I got that, that shit was alright, we're gonna play some burn notices from, um, from all those projects later, um, but Chicks Tape 5, I mean, this shit was more than what I expected it to be. And I knew that this was going to be one of my favorite albums that dropped this year. And I, I know that seems like a bold statement, but if you haven't listened to it yet, then then you wouldn't really understand what I'm saying. But, I mean, he went through all of these records, all of these remakes like I don't know how to how to say this without sounding like um there's songs that I love right I'll give you I'll give you an, an example there's a record called The Cry featuring Mario which is basically a flip of Mario's hit single um you know crying out to you or crying out to me you know what record I'm talking about bro this version of it with him and Mario on it is slaps way harder than the original and a lot of these do the best of you featuring Maya um even the a fool's tale with ashanti i mean like i'm not trying to take away from the the original hits you know what i'm saying these records were hits when they were out at that period of time but if you had that record out and you had this tory version of it with the original artists on it sitting next to each other in a meeting nine out of ten people would choose these tory flips so, I mean, this shit's crazy. And it has a nice little storyline to it. It's one of those albums where you you definitely, I talked about it last week, between like an album that you need to listen to from front to back and an album that runs like a playlist to where it's like, the album was fire, but it was just a bunch of fire songs and not a clear direction. But it's cool because you could put it on shuffle and still get the same vibes out of it. This Tory Lanez, before you choose your favorite songs on here, 
I suggest that you listen to the album from front to back. Listen to the opening skit. Listen to the progression of it. And then at the end, you get a little surprise where even though it cuts off a little bit early, we know that a Chicks Tape 6 is probably going to be coming. Man, this album is crazy. I'm definitely going to play. Um, uh, One thing that I was glad about is that I knew there was going to be an Ashanti feature on there, and they didn't flip the record that, that I was hoping <laughs> that they didn't flip just because I've been working on something with that shit. So it's all good. But, yeah, shout-outs to Tori. Um, let's see. What else do I got in music? So I saw the album cover and the track listing for Tanache's upcoming new album that's going to be dropping soon. Um, it's actually dropping on November 24th. Um, November 21st. Sorry about that. Um, I played a single last week called Touch and Go featuring Black. It was a Burn Notice record. Um, she's dropping this independently from her own label, Tanache Music. So she's no longer with RCA. And she recently just signed a management deal with Rock Nation. So... I will talk about the significance of that a little bit later on because anyone who knows me, and I'm pretty sure that I've mentioned it, if not on this show, I've mentioned it on my blog. I've definitely posted about it quite a few times where Tanache is one of those artists that unfortunately was mishandled early on based on the record label she was signed to, which was RCA. I feel like RCA dropped the ball on a lot of situations with Tanache to where when you compare her to other artists who have fit that mode and have been successful and other artists who are currently successful right now, there isn't many things based on her talent level, based on her look, based on her charisma, based on her dancing skills, based on her performing skills of why Tanache isn't recognized, publicly acknowledged as a bigger artist than she is right now. And a lot of that has to do with things that I will talk about a little bit later on in the show when we get into unpopular opinions. But um, the track listing, I mean, it doesn't have too many features on it. Of course, we know about the So Much Better record with G-Eazy, Touch and Go, as I spoke of before that we played last week, and Die a Little Bit featuring Miss Banks. So the rest of this album looks to be just her, no features. And, I mean... I'm optimistic about what it sounds like. I feel like that she probably has more control over the sound versus where um, it, it seems like RCA wasn't sure what they wanted her to be. And then by the time they figured out that, that the way that they were going about it wasn't right, then the public had already decided that she wasn't it. So then whenever she would come out with the right record that I would think, it just seems like the public wasn't grasping to it because they had already made this decision in their mind um, without really judging it based off music in totality. So, I mean, there's a lot to be said with that. Um, Jada Kiss is doing a um, a nonprofit. He's teaming up with the nonprofit company Fuck Cancer. If you don't know a lot about Fuck Cancer, um, they are a company who I've done research on for some of my college projects. I definitely, um, I've reached out to them about working with them and doing some type of collaboration. So we'll see how that moves forward. But Jadakiss, there's certain artists where, you know, when you hear that they're getting ready to drop a project, you automatically are excited for it. Jadakiss is one of those guys for me to where he's always been one of my favorite rappers and 
you don't really need to even question whether or not you're gonna get a quality album with him. And it's just ill. Styles P just dropped this week. Jada Kiss is gonna be dropping soon. Um, hopefully we should get it at the end of this year. I haven't um, found a clear release date on it yet, but the album's called Ignatius. <clears throat> I think I'm saying that correctly. And basically it's inspired by his late friend, Jay Icepick Jackson, who passed away from cancer in 2017. So that is in part why him and his record label, So Raspy, have teamed up with Fuck Cancer to, you know, not only celebrate and honor his friend but to bring more awareness to cancer you know what i'm saying in the hip-hop community and to finish it off we got action bronson and alchemist announced the lamb over rice ep um of course they're co-stars of vice lands traveling the star series um they are dropping a limited edition vinyl release of their last collaboration from 2012 called Rare Chandeliers. Um, I think there are only going to be a thousand pieces of it. It's going to drop on, um, let me see, November 22nd. So Lamb Over Rice will be seven records, and then Rare Chandeliers, Rare Chandeliers will come with some extra tracks that weren't included on the original release, plus a digital download card. It'll be in three colorways. There'll be six theater cards, a sticker pack. And yeah, so if you're an Action Bronson fan, this is definitely a good collector's item to get. So I'm going to get into my first burn notice of a, the day, which is going to be one of these records from this Tory album. Um, this next burn notice is The Cry, Tory Lanez featuring Mario. <laughs> You've been Crying out, it's crying out for me. Yeah. I know that 
sound is coming from you. Let me hear you. Try to tell me what to do. You know the sound is coming from you. Try to tell me what to do. Hey, if you're looking for custom beats and instrumentals, head on over to www.untouchedent.com or hit my man up at Santiago Untouched on Instagram. So Eric B. needs to slap the shit out of his fucking lawyer. Um, And if you don't know why or what I'm talking about, Eric B. just got locked up for a 17-year-old fucking warrant that he didn't go to court for because his lawyer told him he took care of it already back in the day. And it wasn't even the case that he was worried about. It's the fact that right now he had a nice little lucrative little role on Blue Bloods, you know what I'm saying, where he's doing well. And just randomly, he goes to jail for no fucking reason. So, yeah, his lawyer needs to shit slapped out of him. That's just my opinion. Um, moving on to someone else who might need the shit slapped out of him is some dude named Tommy Emmerich and another dude named Richard Brenner. And if you don't know who they are, they are the executives over at New Line Cinema who, according to Ice Cube, is the reason why The Last Friday wasn't made before the untimely passing of John Witherspoon. And Ice Cube went on, and I'm paraphrasing right here, but he said, you can email Tommy Emmerich and Richard Brenner if you feel like it. Yeah, you two punks had two scripts, and you didn't want to do them. That's the real. We were trying to make the movie for years. We couldn't get it done. We got the other three made, and we got our memory. So I think that we should bully these guys on the Internet. Um, So let's go find their Twitter and go find their email, and let's harass them on the Internet and bully them. Let's say mean things. Because it's fucked up that we didn't get this movie made, and that's the reason why. Um, Now, I know you guys, sometimes you like it when I predict things right, and sometimes you hate it. I told you when the Kanye West album came out that the biggest thing about this was going to be whether or not Billboard or gospel people were going to accept this as a gospel album or whether it was going to be a rap album. And if he was going to be to get away with what I call the Taylor Swift move, and I guess he did because... Jesus is King is the number one gospel album on the charts. And not only is it the number one gospel album, but all 10 of the top 10 slots on the album are all records off of his CD. So it's like a fucking cheat code, but I told you guys that shit was going to happen. Um, and with that being said, um, Joel Osteen is like, I guess like turning his church into the concert hall. So apparently they're selling tickets for this Kanye, Joel Osteen collabo situation. It's supposed to be going on tomorrow, actually, you know what I'm saying? Um, um, he's supposed to talk with Joel for about 20 and 30 minutes. And then the choir is going to come in and sing at a nighttime performance and, you know, 10 million viewers, 45,000. Listen, I told you guys, this was the biggest lick ever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to tell you, you can't boo Jesus. Remember that shit, yo. Um, 
you can boo this bullshit because Kanye apparently says he may change his name to Christian genius billionaire Kanye West. I don't even know what to say about that, so I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, Aesop Rocky apparently has Stockholm Syndrome, and not the Stockholm Syndrome how you guys think, like he's been kidnapped, but the fact that this motherfucker is going back to Sweden after they just locked his ass up and kept him in jail and Donald Trump had to get him out. And I don't know what the fuck's going on. I mean, yeah, he's doing it for a good cause. You know, apparently um, it's some type of charity event going for local refugee support. So I know I'm not supposed to say anything against that, but nah, nigga, like if a motherfucker run down on me and I defend myself and then you guys lock me up and then I can't get out of your fucking country. I'm not coming back to do a benefit for anybody. And I don't give a fuck. I don't know what that makes me, but I am who I am. Um, Chanel West Coast has beefing with Sharon Stone. Or Sharon Stone is trying to sue her over a song called Sharon Stone. Where I guess Chanel West Coast was trying to... I don't even know why this is news. Um, but it's weird because mad rappers do songs named after celebrities. This is not even the first time that she did this. I think the interesting part is that apparently Sharon Stone was into it and she was going to have something to do with the video, but then she backed out of the video and then they did the video anyways. And then she got pissed off about it, but maybe it's cause she went and researched who Chanel West coast was and <laughs> decided she ain't want shit to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> all right um so fab was on drink champs and of course he had some dope stories on there including one about how kid cuddy was upset that he wasn't credited on you be killing him um Apparently, I guess he co-produced the record along with Ryan Leslie. Ryan Leslie's the only one who got the credit. So, you know, Fab was like, it wasn't my problem. He was like, man, he chased me down, found my number and hit me up like, yo, like I'm supposed to have credit or get some money or something. And he's telling him like, yo, you got to relax, yo. And, you know, he had to block him on a bunch of shit because he kept like kind of stalking him like over, over a co-credit that he really should have been beefing with Ryan Leslie for. But... This is a lesson because I tell people all the time, get your ass cap, your BMI, all your shit together. Make sure when you're working on records, like no one, even though we say that shit all the time when we're in a studio working on music, like, yo, this is a hit. This is a this, this is a that. We don't know what the hit is until the public acknowledges it. So you got to treat every fucking thing you do as the hit. Don't just not do the paperwork on this record because you're not sure if it's going to blow up because then it turns into a be a record called you be killing them and then you beefing because you ain't got no fucking credit on there when you should have done it in the first place. Um, another record that he talked about was Make Me Better, which he said almost belonged to Eve. Like he had to go have a sit down lunch with Eve and like get her to let him get the record. You know what I'm saying? Cause originally it was presented to her. And like, if you can imagine fabulous catalog without you make me better with Neo, it, it completely changes the whole game for him. You know what I'm saying? And I love Eve, but I'm not sure if I wanted that song from Eve. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't think I wanted that song from Eve. So, you know, that's that. Um, 
Now, he did talk an interesting story about Lil Wayne. He said that um, one time he paid Lil Wayne $100,000 and gave him four bottles of Cristal to do a feature for a song that never came out. And he's like, his management at the time, Steve Stout, gave Lil Wayne 100 grand out of his budget for a record. And he's like, you know, we're thinking that Lil Wayne gonna come through, we gonna party, we gonna drink these four bottles of Chris, we gonna do this song. And he's like, nah, Wayne and his crew walked in, that nigga listened to it a beat for a couple seconds, went in the booth, recorded all his parts in like 15 minutes, grabbed the four bottles of champagne and walked out the door. <laughs> And the song never came out. So I can't imagine paying a hundred thousand. But then again, I almost I mean not in a hundred thousand range, but once upon a time I had found this janky promoter who almost had me with this um a little Wayne acapella and a fabulous joint. And and he was telling me that it was cleared and all this good shit like this. And I almost believed it because of the price. I wanted to believe that it was that it was that true, you know what I'm saying? Because I was just like, shit, I could go have somebody. Um, matter of fact, Santiago, you probably remember because back then I probably hit you up like, yo, if I get this fab verse, I want you to build a beat around the acapella or whatever, man. But yeah, so and I, and that was nowhere near a hundred thousand, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. The four bottles is a smack in the face. Um, so Disney is just launched their um, Disney Plus programming, and they're trying to clean up some of their racist and sexist past. So they're doing weird shits with movies and shit. And I'm going to tell you guys about it with um, entertainment news after this next burn notice when we come back. Um this next burn notice is going to be this joint called Done With It from Rocky Fresh off his new album Destination. And then when we come back, I'll tell you all about Racist Disney, um, Salt and Pepper, and I'm going to give you my Me Too recap of Apple Plus TV series Morning Show that they suckered me into paying for at least for the next three months. <laughs> all right. Done With It from Rocky Fresh. Burn notice on It's Not Just Me podcast. Noted, 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 I'm trying to have fun with it. Got six bitches, but I'm only one nigga. 
gotta come get her. I've been looking at the squad, we on the run, nigga. Yeah, I just need one with it. You had to sit when I'm done with it. Fuck a bad bitch, then I'm done with it. Smoke a whole pound, then I'm done with it. With these kicks one time, then I'm done with them. With a fit one time, then I'm done with them. I don't really give a fuck who he run with them. With some real ass killers, I done hung with them. Yeah, you was just a fuck, nigga. Really, you a fake ass drug dealer. So, racist content from Disney's past will be withheld from their streaming service. Some movies will be edited or completely removed. So, there's this one movie that came out in 1946 to start with named Song of the South, where they were obviously super racist back then. And Uncle Remus, um, basically they're saying that the story, the way that he tells his story, talks in a black vernacular. So, black people thought it was racist. And they're going to remove that. Um, Also... Some scenes about the character Jim Crow from the original Dumbo will be removed for obvious reasons. The Siamese Cat song will be removed from Lady and the Tramp. Apparently, Janelle Monae is going to redo it and reinvent it. I I keep seeing Dave Chappelle's face from that special he just did when he was like, what? It's how I feel inside. I hear. (laughs) Oops, so sorry. Uh, All right. Um. Along with racist content, they're also going to be removing scenes such as from Toy Story 2 when the character Stinky Pete is interrupted while offering two Barbie dolls a role in the next Toy Story movie. And the movie, um, the scene is seen as having sexual harassment messaging. So it's like too me too-y, you know what I mean? So they pulled that out of there. Moving on with some more films. Um... There's been a cast um, released for Salt and Pepper's biopic that's going to be done on Lifetime, which was scary as shit when I first read this report. But then when I saw that Queen Latifah was behind it and Mario Van Peebles and, you know, like a, a lot of good people right there, Abdul Williams, then I kind of felt a little bit more comfortable. Hopefully this film turns out good. Like, I don't know why they are running to these TV networks to do stories that would be so much better told on a lot of these streaming sites. Like, I mean, if you don't want to go Netflix, I mean, we got Hulu, we got Amazon. I mean, Apple just put their joint out there. I mean, the type of stories that a lot of these artists live that we want to see, we can't get the real story on cable TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just too, it's too much censored out. You know what I'm saying? We don't really get the, your whole life out of it. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But um, speaking of the streaming services, like I said, at first, I was just going to get the Apple TV Plus shit just for the free trial seven days, right? That's all. I just wanted to see if I liked a couple shows and then leave it at that. When I first got it, I found out that you only get the first three episodes of a series. And then each week on a Friday, you get a new episode. So at that point in time, I was like, all right, cool. You guys got me for $4.99. I'm going to pay for it for the first month just to see if I like a show. And then I started liking some of the fucking shows. Now, they don't really have much there, but it's like it's enough to where because I already paid the $5, it's like it's gone already. So it's not that I stopped watching my Netflix and I didn't stop watching my Hulu. It's just that now I've added 
two shows on this new platform to my already watching TV habit. So I think it's just an unavoidable $5 that I'm going to pay every month, at least until the series is over with. So one of them that I've been really into is this shit called Morning Show. And that's basically the Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston, uh, Reese Witherspoon. It's about a morning show um, news behind the scenes. But basically the the main storyline is Steve Carell is this character named Mitch who was fired for um, sexual misconduct, as they called it. And I, and I broke down what that whole thing was last week. So now we got into episode four. So the victim who was an audio assistant at the station, she did her interview with Bradley, who was played by Reese Weatherspoon. And she described a situation where she alleged there were clear lines of misconduct based on the power dynamics. And they keep always talking about power dynamics. And I'll, I'll tie that into... To an opposite a little bit later, but Mitch, who's the star of the show, obviously is powerful. She's a low-level assistant. There's clear, there's clear roles there and lines that shouldn't have been crossed in the eyes of corporate America. All right. Now, I'm not victim shaming, and I feel like I should be able to point out without backlash that the situation she described is overwhelming and a situation that she described that she didn't know how to not go through with sounded like for the opposite person that it was a consensual situation between adults. I mean, she had all the right to feel whatever way she felt, but if you don't say anything, how is a person to know that what you're freely doing, you really don't want to do? It becomes very confusing the way that they're telling this story. That's why it's interesting how, where they're going to go with it, because she was basically like, yeah, like um, he would call me to his dressing room and I would go in there and I would kiss him and I'd suck his dick, but I didn't really want to do it. And it's just like, all right. I, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, like I said, I understand why because of the power dynamics, this is sexual misconduct. And based on, I'm pretty sure, his rules and his contract, he should have been fired from the station. But... It's, it's weird when we start talking about criminality and, and villainous and all these crazy things because, like I said, there's people in the streets just calling him a rapist, and now that the victim has told her story on national news, I'm, I'm pretty sure that his peoples are about to put a spin on this. Now, the other side of the story that they're telling is there's the weatherman who's there has another girl who he deals with who also works at the station who they're in like a show enough real like relationship, but it's secret because they know that they can't talk about it because if they do, he would get fired for sexual misconduct because of the power dynamics. But they want to be in a relationship with each other. But even though they want to, it still would be considered inappropriate. And if anyone knew about the relationship, the headline that we would see was local weatherman fired for sexual misconduct. And then we would call him a rapist. You see what I'm saying? So a lot, a lot of this shit is fucked up. And they're showing you the behind the scenes where we can't always loop 
one, uh, everything into one box based off of the headline because he's paranoid. He wants to break up with this girl right now. And on the flip side, she's like, look, in reality, I'm way more powerful than you. Like, my family's rich. I only have this job because I want it. My father could get you fired from this station at any time if he wanted to. So in reality, I'm about 100 times more powerful than you are. You know what I'm saying? So it's just weird how power dynamics... um how they can work for you and work against you, even if they only exist within like this corporate America construct, which is fucking weird. Um, Eminem just can't catch a break or he is just, you know, doing this shit on purpose because he's keeping his name buzzing until he drops some projects later on this year. It's one of the two, but I mean, the whole song leaked last week. I played, you know, the "What If I Was Gay" shit that leaked. That I think leaked. I don't think that that song wasn't supposed to come out. But now there's another record where apparently he sides with Chris Brown over the 2009 assault, and people only heard a seven second clip of it. So they were already outraged enough at that. Like, oh my god, he said he would agree with Chris Brown. Oh my god. Now, the whole song came out, and he explains that the story that he heard was that the reason why that whole shit went down in the first place was because Rihanna gave Chris Brown an STD, and and that was his reaction. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, and I'm never going to go try to research and find out if it's true or not because I don't care. I'm just telling you what the article said, and I'm just telling you what the song said. This is what the song said. He wrote it in his lyrics, not me. His management said that this is a leak of something that's over 10 years old. After he recorded it, he scrapped it and rewrote it. Obviously, him and Rihanna have a great relationship. Um, I mean, yeah, of course, because she didn't hear this fucking song. Not sure how great the relationship is going to be now after she hears the fact that he says, let me add my two cents. Of course, I side with Chris Brown. I beat a bitch down too if she gave my dick an itch now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of circus shit going on at Camp Flognaw. We all know about the whole Drake getting booed fiasco because Tyler had him as the secret special guest who, people, when you see a poster that says special guest, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, that does not give you creative license to make up in your mind who the fuck you think question mark, question mark is going to be. Question mark, question mark is whoever happens to walk out there. You're not in control of this shit. But I will let you know about that later on before we close out the show. Um, the cool thing about <laughs> Camp Flogna was YG had Stormy Daniels come out there. <laughs> <laughs> and with him during his set um, to introduce his song, Fuck Donald Trump, and basically had Stormy Daniels out there talking about the whole Donald Trump shit. So I just thought that shit was just mad funny. I mean, it was messy, but it was funny as shit. Like, he was up there with, like, bad acting, like, pretending like he didn't know who he was, like, who she was, like, Stormy, so tell us who you are. And obviously he didn't say it like that because YG's a gangster. So he said he said basically what I just said in a lot more aggressive gangster way. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, but she was like, um, wait. You're Stormy Daniels, the one that fucked Donald Trump. And then she's like, 
Um, I wouldn't really call it fucking. I just laid there, but she was like saying, I'm the real reason Donald Trump is fucked. And like, yeah, it, it, it was cool. You know what I'm saying? I guess it was, you know what I mean? Just because it was some fuck Donald Trump shit. You know what I'm saying? Even if it was wild corny, we're always going to say it's cool because we hate Donald Trump that much. So they can get that. It's a cheat code. Um, Kylie Jenner says fake news. She did not send any cease and desist letters over this fucking rise and shine shit. Obviously, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> but Kylie Jenner fucking um, was singing Rise and Shine to her baby and people, I don't know, turned it into a thing. So then she turned it into a thing because she's a smart businesswoman. You don't become a 21-year-old billionaire, you know what I'm saying, by being fucking stupid. So she went and she started making t-shirts and merch that said Rise and Shine and was selling a shit ton of them joints. And then she went and trademarked it. And then apparently... There was a company called Cased Clothing who had been using this phrase since 2017. Listen, people, just because you can you can apply to trademark everything doesn't mean that you should be attempting to trademark fucking everything. It's just like suing people in America. You can sue me for any reason you want to. It doesn't mean you're going to win. It just means that the justice system is set up to allow you to say you have the right to sue me. Rise and shine? Who thinks that's fucking original? <laughs> like <it's not laughs> Go to sleep. I'm going to fucking go try to trademark that. And any of you motherfuckers out there that got t-shirts that say go to sleep, you're going to owe me. Like, come on, man. Like, you guys are taking this shit too far. But Case Clothing put out a statement saying that we never said that she tried to sue us. She's never bothered us. We don't want anything to do with it. If I was them, I would have just shut my mouth. You know what I'm saying? Because I've never heard of Case Clothing. I know who Kylie Jenner is. You know what I'm saying? I'd have just let this shit ride for a little while, get the free promo, and sold my Rise and, Tine, uh, Rise and Shine t-shirts. And last but not least, Wendy Williams once again told another story about when somebody was going to pull up on her. <laughs> She's fucking bugging. So apparently um, there was a story that went around about Whitney Houston. Um, Whitney Houston was so mad at Wendy Williams for talking about her back when she was on the radio station that she was going to pull up on her with her homegirl, Robin Crawford, who was recently a, uh, a guest on Wendy's show. Uh, promoting her memoir, A Song for You, My Life with Whitney Houston, which will be released soon. Um, yo, this first the story about Total came out, that Total was going to run down on her because she was talking shit about them. And then now the story about Whitney. Wendy should be easy and realize what era she lives in right now because one of these young acts, one of these young, newer female groups these bitches be with the shits, yo. They're not they're not the fucking soft and pretty ones that's just, you know what I'm saying? That's like like Whitney, she was a G. Yeah, I can believe that. Total, they was from the hood, you know what I'm saying? But I'm telling you, in this era right now, you're gonna inspire one of these groups to pull up on you for talking shit about them. But this time you're gonna be in the camera phone era. You're gonna end up on Instagram somewhere. Wendy. You got to relax, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to relax out here because it's a couple of these young chicks is just stupid enough to get all wrapped up in some shit and push up on you for saying something that, you, that, they, that, um, that they don't like. And then 
once they get in trouble for it and they go to jail and they catching charges, just like a lot of these young acts are, then everybody wants to point the finger at them and say, oh, well, they're stupid or blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. But anyways, this next burn notice is going to be a record that just came out called Squad Up featuring Havoc. This is Method Man and Street Life. Uh. All you see is crook crooks. Shout out to Havoc. Good looking on the beat. Forever P. Street life is good. About to go in, son. You've been burned. Look. Red bones and red bottoms Like Red Bull, we gon' give them wings, we red dot them Candy rappers, send them in, we red hot them Headshot them, go against my grain, get head problems Big dummy garbage rappers, we red fox em. Shoot an actor in high depth and red box them Tip the scales in my favor, stay in your top ten If life's like a triple bing, I'm weighing my options Y'all like YMF, you high meth Keep a big popper, cause I ain't ready to die yet I digress, or I'm just too intense to digest Stretched in a Pyrex, compliments to my chef Game ain't been the same since I left Is they really crooks or just a pain in my neck? Wu-Tang, ain't no lanes in my set Fresh pair of Nike Airs, I just do it for my check I'll be the first to tell these rappers, get your bars up Shout to P, you know what's havoc when we mob up I tell that smut, they over, pull your drawers up Cigar guts, all up in the club, putting squad up Throw your squad up Throw your squad up Cigar guts all up in the club, putting squad up. I swoop in, shooting like I'm paratrooping. We all in, we riding, we carpooling. My whole crew, we diving, we blood tuning. Salute me, you shoot me, Huey P. Newton. Your buffoonery is quite amusing. This is not monkey business, stop cooning. It's a method to my madness, I know what I'm doing. There's a reason why I'm winning and you said he's losing. I'm about to blow like I'm ballooning. Then show my whole ass when I'm black mooning. Got your girl in the green room, teaspooning. Hit my man with the give and go, alley-oop him. Spit Jeff Jans when I'm crushed grooving. I'm appealing with success and just keep it moving. I'm heavy hitting and you barely bruising. Come through mob deep like a movie union. I'll be the first to tell these rappers, get your bars up. Shout to P, you know what's havoc when we mob up. I tell that smut, they over, pull your drawers up. Cigar guts, all up in the club, putting squad up. Throw your squad up. Throw your squad up. Throw your squad up. Cigar guts, all up in the club, putting squad up. Black Tims and black masks. Basuda, niggas know they rap trash. My shooters get all up in that ass. I maneuver, finish shit, no half ass. Noodle niggas, we birth job for real though. Protect your neck, you stomped out with steel toes. My real bros, respect the code is real, yo. Y'all new niggas looking like some weirdos. But y'all niggas is co-signing. Shook the whole iron, these little hoes be lying. That bullshit blow by it on point, so don't try it. Wild like doing riots on Rikers out, you hiding. From the realness is real kid Having meth in the building Forever P to infinity Whoever don't like it Cut that nigga, let the fucker bleed I'll be the first to tell these rappers Get your bars up Shout to P, you know what's havoc when we mob up I tell that smut, they over Pull your drawers up, cigar guts All up in the club, putting squad up Throw your squad up Throw your squad up all right, so 
Andre Iguodala is involved in a conspiracy against LeBron James. And I'm not the only person that says it this time. So it's really not just me. NBA executives have, um, anonymous NBA executives have said that, look, the Memphis Grizzlies are holding on to Andre Iguodala for the right flip. And an Eastern Conference team more than likely will not be the target. And basically, they don't want Andre Iguodala they know the Lakers want him, but they know that they may be able to get a better value package sometime right before the trade deadline for a team that's looking to make a playoff run and needs a player who can guard LeBron James. So it's like Andre Iguodala is being used as like LeBron medicine, basically. And that's the reason why they've probably been reluctant to even pick up the phone for the Lakers who had been rumored to want to get Andre Iguodala. But speaking of another player who has been not on a roster for a while, apparently um, Carmelo Anthony has signed a contract or is pending a workout or a doctor's, um, you know, he has a passing examination, but sometime next week, Carmelo Anthony should be on the basketball court with Damian Lillard and CJ over there at the Portland Trailblazers. I think that this could be good. It could be like Dwight Howard is playing for the Lakers right now. That's if the coaching staff uses Carmelo Anthony correctly. Obviously, you, you not shouldn't be expecting him to come in and be an elite defender, but he can still score, especially with Dame and CJ getting such double teams every time they touch the ball. He should be able to get a lot of easy looks, so we'll pay attention to that. Now, um, there's a question of whether... John, or well, going into the season, everyone would have said that Zion Williamson was the consensus for Rookie of the Year. And some people had differences of opinions. Um, I know going into the draft, I saw Ja Morant's stock rising. I wasn't sure if he was going to come in and have as much impact as Zion off the rip, but I knew that he would be great. But I didn't know that he would be as great as he is right now. So, um, for real, at this point in time... and. Even if Zion wasn't hurt, if he hasn't figured out a way to make the adjustments to his game when he does get back on the court, I think we are looking at our rookie of the year right now with Ja Morant. Austin Rivers, funny as shit. Um, he basically gave his dad the deuces and told him to call him after he basically egged on the officials for ejecting Doc Rivers out of the game between the Houston Rockers and the LA Clippers. Um, it was right around the time that James Harden nailed a step-back three-pointer, um, giving Houston a 95-88 to 88 lead. Patrick, Patrick Beverly peeled up a tech foul, and then, obviously, Doc Rivers was upset about it. Porzingis is still not playing like your typical big, and the reason why they call him a unicorn is because he shoots so much from 30 feet or better beyond the basket. Um, right now, him and Luka are having similar problems, in my opinion, that the Philadelphia 76ers are having, where your two main stars operate in the same part of the court. It's the difference. And in Philly, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons both meet to operate close to the basket. And in this case, Luca and Kristaps Porzingis both need to shoot the ball from perimeter. I think the difference here is that with the spread of the offense, they should be able to get over the hump a little bit faster than the Sixers. And last in sports, um, Evansville stunned Kentucky number one, um, being one of the few teams that were able to knock off a number one team in a game. Um, so shout outs to them. I remember last year when um, 
it was UMBC when they beat, you know, Virginia in the tournament. This was like an event as big as that. Evansville was a very small college, but they was out there hooping, and Kentucky slept on them, and that's what the fuck happens. Um, so I'm going to get out of this sports real quick. We just had a quick couple highlights that I wanted to run over before I go into some 420 news um, talking about my strain review for this week, sticking with THC Designs, we're going to talk about an indica this time. It's going to be a indica-dominant hybrid by the name of Dosey Dose, which is a descendant of Girl Scout cookies, and I'll break all that down for you later. But first, our burn notice is going to be another joint off this Tory album. This one is The Take featuring Chris Brown right here on It's Not Just Me podcast. Seven position for 70 minutes, you get it, babe You got a lot on your mind and I want to ease it up and lick it and slip it in You do a light scream on that ice cream when I scoop it and dip it in Unzipping the tight jeans and that feminine hygiene and magnificent Trying to show you, girl, I'm different I get to licking and sticking and licking and sticking it Till the pussy gets wet and it's dripping and splitting Both dumb legs like dividends If it ends up how I want it, then you'll end up sitting all over my bottom lip, baby The feeling, the fucking, you feel it's all up And you make it hard for you to bottle them, baby This dick is too bitches to swallow it, baby But still you do it like it's Thanksgiving And you gobbling, 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 baby Like what's a goon to a gobbling, baby That pussy hotter in the summer, June in Metropolis, baby No hotter than, baby She know what it is when I come around let me say it ain't my first time but Baby girl, let's see
plan on doing some giveaways over the next couple months. And I decided that for the month of December, I'm going to start out with Fashion Nova. So, during the month of December, during each episode, um, we do this weekly. So, that'll be four episodes, uh, be four chances to win. I'm going to be giving out gift cards for Fashion Nova, um, $50 gift cards, right? And they're going to be e-gift cards, so pretty much once I choose a winner, you pretty much get it immediately. I'll send you an email with the gift card in there. You go to FashionNova.com and you redeem it. So, the way this thing is going to work is, you're going to have to tune in to the episodes in order to even know how to enter. I'm not going to announce it on social media. I'm not going to announce it in DMs. I'm not going to answer any emails just to let you guys know ahead of time that the only way to know what you're supposed to do and it's going to be something that you're going to do on social media it may be something that you're going to do on instagram maybe something that you do on twitter and maybe something that you do on facebook regardless of what it is it's going to be something that you will do that will be considered your entry into the contest and in order for you to know that you turn into an episode and randomly at some point in time in the middle of that episode i will tell people what the instructions are and then i'll go see who did it and then out of the people who did it, I'll write down all your names. I'll put them in a hat, pretty much shake it up, randomly pull one of those names out. And then I'm going to send that person a gift card. So, once again, I'm back with more unpopular opinions on this Not Just Me podcast. And I got my homegirl, Jada, on the call in again. And she's going to give me her opinion on Bye. some of this stuff, too. So, unpopular opinion number one. A woman should never be cast as 007, who we know to be James Bond, because it must be a man, and that man must be British. Um, I guess this came out because there's a report that the new 007 will be a black woman. It was a chick who was in Captain Marvel named Maria Rambo. So, unpopular opinion floating around the internet is that not only should James Bond not be a woman, but a black British woman is definitely not the way to go. What do you think about that? I think that's stupid. I think, why can't it be a woman? Like, what? I think the same thing that James Bond can do is the same thing she can do. I I mean, it's known that James Bond is usually 007, but... Right. I don't think it's, it's them naturally being against James Bond being... Well, I guess that's what it is. I guess they're just used to 007 being James Bond... But even though 007 was just his agent number. So, I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, they were trying to, I mean, Idris Elba turned it down. That's who, that's who people wanted to have it. it. And I guess because it didn't work out that way, they were going to find a reason to be upset about whatever. But apparently, yeah, uh, the dude who's been James Bond is still going to be in this movie, but he's going to be like retired or something. And somehow, I don't know, they're going to work together. So, um. All right, unpopular opinion number two is kind of weird, but it kind of makes sense. But I don't know who thought of this shit, but it says vegans or people who practice (laughs) veganism should not be the owners of pets such as cats and dogs because they feed them meat. Basically saying that, um, I guess whatever veganism is, I don't know much about that shit, but apparently, you know, you're supposed to be on some shit where... There's no harm to animals, but then vegans who own pets are feeding their pets animals. I don't know. I don't know who came up with this shit, but I mean, what do you think about it? I don't really know anything about veganism, so I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or a popular one for real. Um, 
I don't know. I got friends that I like speaking, and I just will never understand how they do it. Because I need meat with everything. Like, yeah, it's like every 10 <laughs> years, they come up with some new shit. But, it's like vegetarian was one thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, you, you didn't yeah. eat meat, you ate vegetables. But now vegan is like mm-hmm. vegetarian on steroids, where it's like you don't, I don't, I don't get it. Right. So men should be allowed to say that they don't date, fill in the blank with any type of woman that they want to put in a box, such as like a dark-skinned woman, a light-skinned woman, a white woman, a fat woman, a ratchet woman, or any other misogynistic box or category without backlash. The same way as women say they don't date short, broke, bearded, or fill-in-the-blank otherwise men. And for example, like people like Chris Brown have been dragged in social media for years for for alleging or saying things like, I don't date dark-skinned women. However, women have been able to automatic categorize what type of man that they won't date forever, and it goes. My question is, would that be considered toxic femininity? Uh, in a way. I think that I think that like people have preferences. I don't they like skin because I just feel like they act like females. They act like girls. And I don't they like it's cert- I we have preferences and I don't think that there's a problem with a man having a preference. I right. think that Sometimes they go a little far with it, like, um, I'll never date a black woman and blah, 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 well, but you never dated a black woman. Well, How see, do you know that you never date a black woman? I don't you know, know different things like that. I don't know. But see, if people are allowed to have preferences, as you say, then how are we to determine how far preference is? You know, basically, it, it, what, it, what it comes down to is that everything in this era, we're in the era of misogyny. And, and everything that men do mm-hmm. nowadays is considered misogynistic. And for a while, I thought it might have been true until I went and looked what this word meant and found out that it meant having a, a, a direct prejudice against women. So I was like, well, most of the things that are being categorized that aren't really that. But um, I don't know. We're going to move on to the next one. So unpopular opinion number I four. I think that, like I said, we're allowed. Hold on. Okay. I think we're allowed to our preference, but I think that like I feel like you can't knock it until you try it. But that's just the person I am. So if I've never dated a fat dude, I can't say, "Oh, I've never dated a fat dude." Like, no, like I I would say that because I know what I like and what I don't like, and I know that if I've dated a fat guy, I know that that's not something that I really like. Right. So I mean, I think it's fine. I don't think it's a problem with that. Okay. Okay. So, unpopular opinion number four. Artists like Summer Walker should be able to dictate what they will or won't do regarding to fan meet and greets and should be able to set their own boundaries. Now, obviously, you know that this comes from the story of the fan that was upset that Summer Walker didn't want to give her a hug at a meet and greet and she posted to her Instagram, she's an empath and she can't hug everybody Cause she doesn't know what you're going through and you ain't gonna put that bad energy on her. People got upset about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you really be mad about it? Like, do do I have to do I have to agree because I'm famous and you like me to give you a hug or give in to every whim that you want? Exactly. I don't I don't understand it. Like people like she's been telling people like she's socially anxious. She called the tour her first and last tour. She didn't even want to do this shit to begin with. You know what I'm saying? 
and everyone's just upset mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like as an artist, she should be able to have her own boundaries. I do think that if she's as social, like if she has as much social anxiety as she thinks she does, I think that she should be a ghostwriter just because that shields her from um, the expectations of the world. The world, okay. I, they're used to artists being like, you know, like the Michael Jacksons and the Whitney, they are nice, you know, speak to people and talk to people when they see them and different things like that. But you gotta be mindful. Everybody ain't like that. Everybody's not cool when people touch them. Everybody's not cool with different energy in their space. And right. I think she's entitled to that. But yeah. I think she doesn't meet the expectations of the world. And I think that she should be a ghostwriter. If that's like, if that's the vibe you're giving. Well, see, I think you make a good point with that. But one thing we have to keep in mind is that there's two different type of artists who get on in this era. One of those are the type that are trying to get on, that are actively trying to be famous on purpose. And some of them are girls like her who legit was like in their bedroom with a guitar in YouTube making songs that people happen to like. And then they just accidentally became Mm -hmm. famous. You see what I'm saying? So for her, I think that Mm -hmm. she is seasoned and very talented when it comes to making music, but she's brand new to becoming famous. I don't think that she tried to become famous on purpose. That's why it worked. You see what I'm saying? There's other artists who actively are trying to be famous on perfect. So a lot of them will probably be better at being famous if it happens for them. But there's other because of these the introverts that, that in this era don't really need to leave the house to have access to all these different people. I just think that that's probably what she's coming from. She doesn't know how to be famous because no one's taught her how to be famous. There isn't any artist development anymore. And she didn't want to be famous, I don't think. I don't think that was, I think she just, like, hit a break, you know, like you said, by accident. I don't think that was like her goal. Like I want to make this amount of money and I want everybody to know me and I want everybody to know my face. Like, I don't think that was her goal. Right. Cause I mean, there's, there's a bunch of these new artists. That don't. So like yeah. I said, I think she should be a ghost artist, a ghostwriter and, you know, still make her money, but behind closed doors, behind the stage, not on stage. Cause she's uncomfortable and you can tell she's uncomfortable cause she spoke so much about it. She, she's not feeling it. All right. And then last but not least, unpopular opinion number four. This one is a three-way one. It says that Drake is overrated. No one listens to Rihanna for vocals and stop trying to make Tanache happen because she's not going to happen. I don't know why people are hating on her. She got a new album getting ready to come out soon. I think that this one... This one might work. She's not with RCA anymore, but let's start with the first part. Drake is overrated. I disagree. Yeah, I don't know. I totally disagree. Drake is uh, in his own lane of music, his own lane of artistry. I think that he's not overrated at all. All right. What about no one? Now, if they would have said he's underrated, then I would have said, yeah, okay. Right. I agree. He's underrated. No one listens to Rihanna for vocals. Like, who the fuck was this person? This was a hater. (laughs) Yeah, like, who said that? Like, what? Because Rihanna Cole, like if right. you pay attention to some of the stuff that she does and some of the, you know, some of the riffs and runs that she does and some of the way that she puts her music together, she's cold. Like, I, that's a hater. Well, she doesn't have, she doesn't have like the most traditionally prettiest voice in the world, but 
all the but those old yeah, like, th those are boring young, like, yeah those are like predictable you know what i'm saying there, there's there's probably girls with stronger voices right. they couldn't sing the same records that she did and make them pop and, exactly and then, exactly yeah. and then the last part about tanache i'm just gonna leave that one alone i i wish I wish she would have never signed. I'm gonna be real up. honest. I don't even know who Tanache is. I know, and, the, and it is just terrible. She's become a punchline of a joke. <laughs> but <laughs> she had a single that was out that did well, like you know, some years back with uh, who was on it? Schoolboy Q. It was called Two On, and she was signed to this record. She was signed to RCA. And they really didn't know she, they want her to be an R&B artist, a pop artist, a hip hop artist or whatever. So they just started doing inconsistent shit, you know what I'm saying? And just put out the wrong records. I don't know. And then I don't know what turned her into a joke, but it just happened. You know how the Internet is. The Internet just picks their punching bags. And then for whatever reason, you'll never really know yeah. where it truly started at. But it just becomes a thing. I don't know. But. That's yeah. all we got I don't right know there. <laughs> <laughs> this now I'm about to go look her up because I feel bad. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for oh, um, thanks for you know talking with me and talking with the people. You know what I mean? Um, thanks for including me. All right, and then I'm going to issue another burn notice, and then I'm going to get right back into the show. This one is going to be a new record from Cuban the Savage called, uh, which one do I want to play? I'm going to play On Gang, featuring Molly Brazy on It's Not Just Me podcast. On Gang, On Gang, On Gang. Ben. Notice. 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 You've been burned. I put that on the gang. I put that on the gang. gang, gang. I got some money, but I ain't never changed. Change, change. Two times, two times. They went back when no one was fucking with me. Now my wrist cold like a grizzly. Barefoot, they can't keep up. I've been plotting on a million, I don't need none. All my brothers said it good, they don't need much. But I still send them money like they need some. I seen niggas get rich and let their day one. That was me, no, I just wait until the day come. Loyalty, that's the word that y'all just throw around. Loyalty, stuck with us till we go in the ground. Got the snake making pops, they detrimental. I heard calling y'all some killers, that was accidental. You ain't never looked into the eyes of a victim that was drowning in their blood like they wasn't good at swimming. My life like a movie, this shit full of drama. But I don't entertain side hoes or baby mamas. And we don't keep these niggas' cars, so she blew them up. Every club find out, and they just started up. I put that on the gang, I put that on the gang, gang, gang. I got some money, but I ain't never changed, changed, changed. Two times, two times, I day one back when no one was fucking with me. Now my wrist cold like a grizzly. Okay. 
acting different. I don't really need your company. Cause I hurt your feelings. All that fake love you showed me. I think you tripping. Wasn't that when I was broke? So I ain't fucking with you niggas. Ayy, now I'm acting different. I'm different, gifted. Can't get into my feelings. Every since I've been in my bag, they acting iffy. Niggas hating, they mad. That shit be silly. We just count this cash. We getting richer. Fuck them niggas. All right, so that was Cuban the Savage on Gang off her new album, Savage Life, that just came out. Formerly known as Cuban Doll, but she's not a doll anymore. And I like that shit. So, on to some 420 news. YG receives backlash for showing his daughter a huge bag of weed. So, apparently there was this video that was floating around Instagram where YG and his young, you know, like, toddler, I guess, daughter, you know what I'm saying, um, had this big bag, and he said, what's in it? And she said, broccoli. And he asked her what it smelled like, and she answered, broccoli. And the internet went crazy, like the internet does. Like, I mean, look, at the end of the day, there's nothing that I could say about this that wouldn't get attacked with controversy. I mean, I think it wasn't as serious as people took it. It wasn't like he was on some old, like, trying to turn his kid into, you know what I'm saying, like a drug addict or something. It wasn't like he was, like, breaking it down, showing her how to bag it up so she can go and hit the block or nothing. It was just, like, a funny fucking thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, I'm pretty sure, you know, he's an avid smoker. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure she doesn't know what it is. She thinks it's broccoli. You know what I mean? If she said weed, daddy, it's weed then I think we would have had a little bit more to talk about. But the fact that she called it broccoli means that y'all should probably just... I mean, if she called it weed, then I could see. We'd have something to talk about, you know what I'm saying? But she called it broccoli. So I think really y'all just probably just need to... Shut the fuck up! Expeditiously. So, moving on in 420 News. Um, five years of legal marijuana could bring the state of Minnesota $300 million in revenue, an expert says. Um, five years of legal marijuana in Minnesota could generate $1.12 billion in sales, $300 million in tax revenue, and 20,000 jobs. They said that one of the things they need to be most careful with is the number of licenses that they issue. He said, Colorado has an effective number of licenses because it makes for a competitive market that isn't so expensive that it drives people to buy cannabis legally. So Maryland is a state where I'm looking at, um, I'm living at, and I'm hoping that we are moving forward to do the same thing. From what I understand, there's a possibility that it could be on referendum um, for the 2020 ballots. That means that the general public would be able to vote on a version of a bill that would be similar to California's bill that turned into the law that allowed for adult recreational use with some regulation, but not not much. Um, so moving on. Now, Colorado 7-Eleven is stepping into the future because they now have CBD vending machines on the premises. 
I saw a video and a photo of one of these. Obviously, you can't see it right now, but you can go look it up if you want to. The, um, the company was called Greenbox, and um, Greenbox Robotics. Um, they're CBD dispensers and curators, and they created a high-tech vending machine that keeps the products fresh, but it also tracks consumer data recording which products have had the most success and which ones haven't. That way they know which products to keep stocked in the machine so you always have these things. Um, one of the owners from the company said that they're bringing a $55 billion plus industry over-the-counter with a simple consumer touchscreen dispensary box. So... Hey, man, if this thing works, I mean, in the future, I already figured that, you know, commercial stores were going to get into the weed game. And when I see CBD places, every place that I see CBD, I look at that as a person who is smart enough to position themselves in a place to eventually sell weed because they're in markets where weed isn't legal for adult recreational use yet. So you position yourself in the marketplace selling CBD. So all the gas stations are going to be selling weed once they're able to, you know what I mean? It's just going to be a natural thing. So I think that Colorado and 7-Eleven and the people at um, Greenleaf Greenleaf Robotics, that is, are on the cutting edge and taking a step in the right direction. So... I told you guys that I was going to start doing these strain reviews about some of my favorite strains of weed. Last week, I did uh, a strain called Crescendo from a curation company called THC Design. And we're going to stick with them, but a different strain. But we're going to go Indica Dominant Hybrid this time. And this one is called Dosey Dose, which is sort of a relative of the beloved Girl Scout cookies. Now... First things first is I want to break some things down for people who are new to cannabis culture. And I'm not just talking about smoking weed, but understanding the plant itself. Now, I've been studying a lot more lately because I'm preparing to begin to begin planning out hybrids that I want to create and cultivate some signature strains for myself. So sometimes you find a strain that's so good, you can't help but to revisit the experience every time the opportunity presents itself. Now, imagine a time that you found some really good grass, like some Blue Dream, right? Let's say, for instance, you saw it, you got it, it looked a certain way, it smelled a certain way, it tasted a certain way. And then, let's say that someone else had some weed that they said was Blue Dream. It didn't look exactly the same way as as the one that you had. Usually, you would look at that and you would be suspect. But in reality, that is part of the nature of how the strain grows. So there's genotypes and there's phenotypes, right? So the genotype is basically the strain or the parent, the genetics of the weed parent plant that it came from. The phenotype is how it manifests itself in the physical nature. So the color, the shape, the smell, the resin, and everything about a bud is based on the conditions of which it's grown. So White Widow can look multiple different ways depending on how it was grown. Outdoor White Widow is gonna look different, smell different, taste slightly different than indoor White Widow. So with that, it'll make it easier for you to understand how we get to this strain called Dosey Dose. So his parents are OG Kush Breath and, and um, Face Off. So OG Kush Breath is a, a rumored descendant of Girl Scout Cookies. And it's an indica dominant hybrid in itself. You know what I'm saying? So it comes in dark green and purple with orange hairs, crystal tip trichomes. And it's a great strain for people looking for long lasting relief of stress, insomnia, or chronic pain. 
Now, the face-off OG comes from the late 1990s, where it's rumored that a company called Archive Seeds was gifted with one of the early OG Kush phenotypes, which was a 70-30 indica-dominant hybrid itself, and they named it after the movie Face Off with Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, because that's what this fucking weed does. It literally takes your face off, you know what I'm saying? So now we have these two indica-dominant hybrids who someone hybrided together <laughs> and created the strain that we're gonna talk about today, which is called Dosi Dose. And it's named after a Girl Scout cookie that we all love. So you know that's where it gets its Girl Scout cookies relation to. So this Indica dominant hybrid has bright pistols, lime green, lavender greens, and it's perfect for nighttime smoking. Um, when I talked about Crescendo, I talked about you wake up and smoke this weed. This is the weed that you smoke during the daytime. It keeps you creative. You're energetic. This dosey dose is that weed where you're really just about to watch a movie and sink into the couch, and you pretty much might fall asleep. It's not super sleepy weed, but it's very relaxing with a big, great body high. Um, it has almost peanut butter, butterscotch color hairs. It's very, very sticky strain of weed. Um... But it's great. It's great to listen to music too. It's very immersive, and it's probably one of the stronger um, hybrids out there on the indica dominant side that um, THC Designs has to offer. So, if you want to look for more of their stuff, you can go visit thcdesigns.com, or you should go hit them up on Instagram at thcdesigns. Um, I've had quite a few of their strains, you know what I'm saying? I mean, usually, um, they're one of those companies where it's, it, it's, you can usually find a good, in my experience, about 12 to 20 active strains moving around at a time, but they have a good about 40 or 50, I want to say. It's just that they're not always active because of the grow seasons, but there's a few that I've looked at um, that I definitely want to check out, and they'll probably be in some of my strain reviews later on down the line. Um, but next week, we're going to move on to another company that I like called Wonder Brett. And then I'm going to talk to you about two of their strains that I had that were amazing as well. Um, enough of my weed nerd shit. Um, this next burn notice, I'm going to play the Ashanti joint off the Tory Chicks tape, um, A Fool's Tale. You know, where they flip running back or foolish, you know what I'm saying? And then when we come back, I'm going to... Post some questions to the green room about micro cheating and why I think we may be in a new golden era. I'm not sure if it's of hip hop. Well, it is, but you guys won't let me call it that. More after we come back on It's Not Just Me podcast, but first, another burn notice. Ben. Notice. 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 You've been burned. You ain't love me 
city where the heat play. Had it in the sheets, spin it, cut it like a DJ. Fifteen bottles like a king say. She don't pay attention to that him say or she say. Said it two times, then I jinxed it. Saw right through me, had a cup full of lies as I drink it. Only good at getting what you wanted. No good thing she broken back, girl, I was gone in. Now you got some, baby, flaunting. Wishing I kept it honest. You to the team like Kobe and 9-6 Blowing orange drops like you and signed to the Knicks You will find you thick, get you assigned to the dick How you running back and forth like suicides in this bitch Do or dies in this bitch like shoot from line in this bitch I stunt so hard, I stuff credit cards and go yards Your face, no flaws, no case, no charge Pulled up in beams, was spending daily per diems From AM to the PM, you would hop inside my bed Get it wetter than what's that line up Spray when you see him That's why I'm paying no attention to chicks I'm playing in my DM, I know Drop out, roll Pop out sofas with me when I wasn't eating. We would pop out stovers and see that's why I'm still fucking with you. Head down, ten toes, still thugging with you. Word. Taking long flights out the DR. I'm still in pros, back to Kegos. Trips for the chick that swing them hips like Miss Wagos. Questions like how'd your day go? I spend it extended to sweet another week and they go just to watch the day go. As far as bankroll, bank go. I can speak for it with the trips like sprain on ankle. And keep mommy on there, ain't one of them. Shit, I'm sunning them. Niggas talking crazy to bay. I print a gun at them. Super hell shit pop up. Thunder, thunder them. Was with me back when I was broke. And so I run it up. Anything for you, I swerve in the lane for you. Hop in the drop top, still working the ring for you. Nurture this pain for you. Cause even days that it ain't working, I'm still lurking and hurting and pain for you. See the art was I was shooting from the heart, but what's shooting from the heart with a worthless scene for you? Yeah. Notice. 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 All right. So we are in the green room. 
um and remember i told you it was the companion pod that i created on the anchor at, um, platform and the reason why i did this was i wanted to start hosting questions or introducing topics that you guys can comment on and i figured the easiest way to do this was for you to download the anchor app and it has a voicemail feature so you can just literally go click on this podcast link right there in the show notes look down right there in the show notes click on that link it'll take you to the green room and you can click on this episode right here and answer some of these questions and then your voice notes i'll download them and bring them into a later episode so the discussing questions that I want to put out there first for relationships are A, would you be in an open relationship? Um, you know, yes or no and why? Two, um, how long should you wait before moving in with somebody who you're dating? Three, would you date someone with different political beliefs than you? Meaning, if you're a Democrat, would you date a Republican and vice versa? And four, which is going to bring me to my main topic. If your partner still regularly talks to their ex, are they cheating? Now, for me, I assume that no. I mean, it could be cheating a Jace, but not really. I, I figure, figure that you have to actually do something for it to be considered cheating. I don't even think thinking about cheating can be considered cheating, but of course, in the mind of a woman, it would be the thought of it. But now I think you have to physically do something. But of course, you know, the geniuses that they are, women have created a thing called micro cheating. Um, dating expert Melanie Schilling explained to Huffington Post Australia that it's a series of seemingly small actions that indicate a person is emotionally or physically focused on someone outside their relationship. So it's basically when you crave unhealthy amount of validation and attention from someone outside of your relationship. So um, Cosmopolitan Magazine said that micro cheating happens when you create small opportunities for affectionate behaviors to fall outside your relationship now you guys weren't just hearing shit yes i just said cosmopolitan magazine because i had to go google search and look this shit up on the internet because when i came across it initially i thought it was a joke i could not believe that there was actually a thing called micro cheating but we're like in the era of micro everything like micro aggressions like if you have an accent and I ask you where you're from. That's microaggressive because for some reason there has to be a racist undertone of the fact that I'm genuinely curious about where you're from. So micro cheating is the new norm. So I'm gonna read off a list of um, a bunch of people who they polled about these different things and how many of them thought these were micro cheating. And I want you guys to tell me what you think about these um, different examples and if you agree with the percentages that they had so example number one was contacting an ex on social media 24 percent of people think that contacting an ex out of the blue is definitely shady but only 24 percent thought that it was cheating or micro cheating for that matter however liking an old post on social media jumps from 24 percent to 37 percent so um 37% of people said that liking an old social media post of someone 
of someone in period, it's not even someone who you've been dating. If you go back on someone's timeline and like an old post, that might be considered micro cheating by your girl. Um, number three, repeatedly visiting a profile. 41% believe that if you go to someone's profile multiple times, it is a person who you're not in a relationship with, and it is a woman, if you are a man for this matter, that 41% of your girlfriends believe that this is a form of micro-cheating. Tell me what you think about it. Um, number four, lying about your relationship status on social media. Well, this is a given. Now, these, some of these are interesting because it's like lying about your relationship status, 54%. 54% of people think that's cheating. I'm wondering about what the other percentage of people who didn't think that that was, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's the interesting number I'm looking for. Keeping an active dating profile, 58%. Uh, define active. They need to define what active is. If I had a Tinder account one day before I met you, and then I didn't even use it like that then. And then let's say I start fucking with you. I still haven't been using this Tinder account and a year or two goes later and I never deleted this account. I mean, that's considered an active account. So, you know, someone would have to define active account before I could tell whether this 58% makes sense or not. Um, contacting an ex and concealing it. 62% uh, of people think that she's cheating, but at the end of the day, um, it, it, is it the concealing it part, I guess, that they're saying? Because, I don't know. Of course, that that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? I'm acting like I don't know. But um, number seven, having a deep emotional contact with someone else. See, a lot of these are too vague. Like, they would have to define what is a deep emotional contact with someone. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Um, number nine is a given and it's definitely some shit that I used to do all the time. I mean, I know that I was a fucking, uh, a, a, a macro cheater, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let alone a micro cheater, but listing someone by a fake name in your contacts. Let me tell you, every one of my side chicks was a producer and I would have them listed as, like, musical names. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would make up, like, sure enough, like, like you know what I mean? Because it was plausible for me to be getting a call from a producer at random times of the night. That's when I was in my shady, shady, shitty guy days. You know what I'm saying? But I definitely did this. So 75% of people sounds about right, yeah. Um, but once again, the 25% of people who think this is okay, I want to know who those are. You know what I'm saying? If you're one of the 25% of people out there that don't believe that listing someone's name um, as a fake name of your contacts is micro-cheating, I want you to hit me on the DM because we'll have you call in and you can talk about this shit. And um, maybe these last three also, I'll put the same thing out there because number nine is sexting someone else. 83% think that, you know, texting someone with sexual context, we'll call it, is cheating. Once again, I want to know what the percentage of people who are okay with this. I want to hear, um, not that I'm judging you or anything, but it's just interesting to understand why you're okay with it and so many people aren't. And number 10, 88% of people believe that sending nude photos 
is definitely micro cheating. Interesting thing again, 12% of people don't think that is. I want to know whose girlfriend that is. Tell her, here's my number that I'm not really going to say out loud here, but if she DMs me, I might send it to her. So this is the green room. And like I said, it's on the anchor platform. It's something that I'm going to test out just because I want to figure out an easy way to get regular people out there incorporated into the conversation. If you guys don't click on this link and you guys don't leave your voice messages and answer these questions, I'm not going to do this shit for too long. You see what I'm saying? So it's something that I'm going to try out. That's why I did it on a different platform than my regular hosting space. So this is for y'all. If you fuck with it, then you're going to fuck with it. If you don't fuck with it, then I'm going to stop doing the shit. So we'll just see what happens. So I'm going to post an unpopular opinion that... I wanted to use in a later show when I have a panel of people to really break it down and talk about it, but I want to post it to you guys as well first. Now, uh, it's about the golden era. Most people, most consensus would say that 25 years ago, 1994, is the consensus of where people would are considering that the golden era of hip-hop. I am of the opinion that the era that we're in right now is either the next golden era or we are moving into what could be considered the next golden era. I'm just not sure if it could be labeled as hip-hop. And the only reason why is that if I use that term, then you guys are going to fight me all the way to the ground on the point that I'm trying to make. So I'm trying to remove the term hip-hop from it and just say the golden era of whatever this is that's happening right now in music, the diversity almost to a fault, the transparency almost to a fault, the access, the streaming, the legends from 25 years ago that are still active and recently dropping projects, and the overlap with the new guys like Cole, Kendrick, Drake, and some of the R&B singers who, as much as we want to categorize them separately, It's all part of the culture. So we have Chris Brown, Beyonce, Rihanna, Drake, Tori, and the list goes on. Now, I can paint a better picture of the overlap later with exact statistics and numbers, and I'm going to bring those to the fight when we have this conversation because I know my friends are never going to let me get this point across, but I'm going to try my best. But hopefully some of you guys out there will leave some voice clips and give me some ammunition to use in this argument. Um... Now, Busy Bone is automatically one person who doesn't agree with me, and he believes that no artist from today will be remembered in 25 years, and he thinks it's because of social media. I respect Busy Bone to the fullest, but I, I think this argument is simply just because he's upset, uh, uh, still reeling from that shit he got into with Migos and shit. It, it has to have something to do with them because the conversation kind of went to a bunch of different places and he talked about auto-tune and he referred to it as it's dope, but it sounds so good for him that auto-tune is like smoking crack for a crackhead. Like it unties your shoes for you and you really ain't got to take your shoes no more. Basically saying that the technology is doing the work for the artists and for that reason, um, artists won't be remembered in 25 years from now. Um, For me, it's like 
Sometimes when I'm looking for older shit or I'm looking for certain vintage things or vintage moments that happen on TV or like, um, let's take a TV show like Yo MTV Raps, for instance, right? Um, there's probably scattered all over the internet that you could find like all of the episodes of some of these shows or shows that maybe weren't as big as that, but there's definitely lost footage and lost moments that you can't really find on the internet that just happened back in the day. They might be on somebody's VHS taste somewhere, or they might be, like I said, tucked away on some server somewhere. But for the most part, you have to really look for some people from 25 years ago. Whereas the internet is so finite nowadays that everything is on record. I find it almost impossible for artists of today to be forgotten later on in the future, unless he's talking about the sheer mass of the numbers of them. Like, yes, there's going to be a tremendous amount of music that comes out between now and the next 25 years. It's probably going to be four, five, maybe six times the amount of music that came out in the past 25 years, just because it's going to be easier for people to make music. As the years go on, it's gonna be easier and easier for someone to make music from home who has limited technical skills. You see what I'm saying? If they're just a creative person who wants to create music, they're gonna have the opportunity to. Yes, a lot of those artists will get lost in the wave and be forgotten. But if they were one who deserved for their name to ring bells in the first place, like the people who we called the greats from that golden era, then I believe that we have some people right now who will most definitely be remembered 25 years. So um, I'm going to go ahead and jump into my final thoughts, and then we're going to play our final burn notice from Posse Boy Slums, and I will see y'all next week. Okay, maybe it's just me. But anyone who booed Drake off stage should hold a big bag of L's. Matter of fact, you should roll one up, light it, puff, puff, pass some of this good, good. People, there's a certain thing called fan etiquette that I don't think niggas get. Even more so, there's concert etiquette, especially when you're at a concert or a festival that's still somewhat in its infancy, meaning it's not a guaranteed mainstay like South by Southwest or Coachella or branded by a billionaire like Jay-Z's Made in America. You see, when you go to an event that's put together by an artist that you have love and respect for, you become their representatives of sorts when it comes to how other people perceive the event. Now, y'all Tyler fans is lucky that Drake is cool, and you're even luckier that his fans aren't the Hive or the Barbs or the Navy for that matter, because things could have got crazy, but not in the sense of what you think. You see, a rabid fan base can help you in most cases, and it does, right up into the moment when you stupid-ass fans take it too far and the artist is left holding the bill. Frank Ocean was not confirmed to be a headliner at Camp Flowmouth, and that's probably because Frank was far too busy letting a young boy ride him like an Uber. I didn't make that shit up. That's what Frank said. So, Tyler brought out Drake. And maybe Tyler saw 2020 hindsight, you know that whole saying they say, and y'all wasn't really a Drake crowd. However, Tyler does like Drake, and I bet you this, Drake will never show up at Tyler's request ever again. And guess whose fault that is? Yours, dummy. 
While I'm on the subject of fan etiquette, you can't be pulling niggas to a point where they fall off the stage like Nelly. I know it's a woman and violence against women is wrong. However, it makes me think back when Kevin Gates was talking. I'm not sure if he was super wrong when he kicked the girl who grabbed his junk through his shorts while he was on stage. I mean, I know I'm not supposed to say it, but let me tell you something. If I decide to reach up, let's say, Meg Skirt, not to objectify her or anything, but she's sexy and I'm sure her twerking on stage in front of me on the front row will be pretty arousing as well as exciting. Not only do I expect to get kicked right in the fucking head before security bounces me off the ground and her man and his whole crew come hunt me down, but I'm going to fucking jail and then they're going to hashtag me and throw me in the Me Too box and that's the end of all my shit. And not the Mitch Me Too box, but the real one, right next to Harvey's fucking nasty ass. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's okay to be a fan, but don't be that guy. And that guy is the guy who has a fucking meltdown when your favorite artist who wasn't supposed to be somewhere doesn't show up to where the fuck he was never supposed to be at. Next time, just use the power of social media and let Frank know that there'll be a parking lot or a stadium for that matter full of young Ubers, quote unquote, for him to ride. Betty Bree right there, but maybe that's just me. Pause.